0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. We are going through um, several family members right now, (laughs) because if you listened to our most recent episode with Dawn, you heard me say that I was going to be having her daughter, Jana, on the podcast. So tonight we have Jana. And it actually, I was just a few days ago where I was doing the recording with Jana's mom. And as a quick reminder for anybody who's part of the Calvary Mac family, these ladies are very integrated into the family because Jana is Becca's sister, Dawn is Becca's mom. And Becca is a huge part of the Calvary Mac family, and it's her husband, Brian, who is our pastor. So for those of you who know the Carlson super well, now you're kind of getting to know the extended extended family. So it's kind of fun to zoom in on each family member and hear each individual story because they overlap and yet they're unique. So when we heard Dawn's story, we got one quick picture of Jana during a mom meltdown moment, and Jana and the three other siblings went to go comfort dawn in her moment and pat her cheeks and tell her that it's going to be okay and they'd be obedient. Um, And I, as I promised, we have the rest of Jana's story (laughs) today. So Jana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking time to share your story. And as always, I'd love to invite you first to just give a brief introduction of who you are and what your life is like right now.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really a privilege, and I'm really excited to be with you today. So, yeah, I'm Jana. I'm Becca's sister and Don's daughter, as you already said. And I have three kids right now, and I'm married and live in Phoenix, Arizona. Both of my older kids are adopted, and then our youngest is my foster son. So that is a big part of our life right now. My kids are three, two, and seven months. And so they keep me very busy every day. So that's kind of the place in life I am right now. I just really focus on, I'm focusing on my family and all the things God has for us right now.
0: That is beautiful. And immediately you painted such a picture and I Imagine many just perked up right away because just a few of the words you said instantly that tells us, oh my gosh, there's a story. She's got a story there. What well, I wonder what that story is. And, and so many have had those topics in their stories as well. They have the story of adoption or the story of fostering. And it always is so fascinating to see how people begin those journeys and where those journeys took them and, and how you got to where you are today. So with that, we are going to rewind the tape and I'd like to invite you to kind of take us back and walk us through your life story to kind of get to present day. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, uh, like you said, I, I guess my mom must have told you the story of when we were little kids uh, comforting her. <laughs> but yes, we had from the very beginning a really good example in our mother of even when she broke down, she always would go before the Lord and she would take us to the Lord, too. So whatever happened in our life that was difficult, she always pointed us to Christ. And that is a huge part of my story. And I guess we'll just kind of start there because from the time I was pretty little, I really struggled with my weight. And I felt a lot of the time like I was rejected, that I wasn't seen for who I really was, and that people just didn't want to play with me or they wanted to play with me in secret, things like that. And so from the very beginning, I just kind of really struggled with that. And my mom, she was always there to show us where to go, to take us to Christ in prayer, to pray with us, and also to work in us not to become bitter. That was probably a huge, huge part of our life along the way, is just knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for everything that we go through and not to become bitter because of the difficulties. So I guess I'll tell you that I am the third child in a family of four children. So my oldest sister is Becca, and then we have a sister, Melissa, who is three years older than me, and then comes me, and then my brother, who is two years younger than me. So sometimes it kind of felt like we had two groups, like my sisters were the older ones, and then there was me, and then there was my brother, and I really did spend a lot of time with my brother, but I was always looking for the acceptance from my older sisters. And sometimes that was difficult for me because I really thought that they were the most beautiful, wise, wonderful girls. And they really had their own thing. And they weren't, when we were young anyway, they weren't that interested in the things that I was doing until we got a little bit older. And now, of course, we're all close in these Talked through anything that was difficult for us when we were kids. But now we have a really close relationship, and I'm really thankful for my sisters and I'm super thankful for my parents and that all of us are walking with Christ.
0: You know, it's so interesting listening to you kind of talk about the birth order and just the sort of the grouping of siblings and all that. And, and I've talked to so many people who are part of, you know, medium sized to large families and how all of that plays into the picture and how the age gap. Can be so prevalent at some seasons of life and then, and then it closes in other seasons. And it's funny for me listening to you because I think, gosh, you're all so close in age because my siblings were teenagers when I was born. So uh, for me, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, just a few years, like that's nothing. <laughs> but, but just, yeah, experiencing, you know, the, the younger sibling looking up to the older siblings or kind of that, that middle child life story or the, well, there was an age gap and, there's so many different sort of topics just within what you've said right now. I so appreciate your honesty in saying that you sort of struggled with that feeling of acceptance and belonging. That's actually a topic that comes up a lot on the Story Night podcast. So how did those feelings of rejection maybe uh, play out? And how, to, I mean, knowing you and your family now, you're, everyone is tight and has great relationships, but I know that sometimes there's growing pains within that, especially as a kid of how you think people view you, how you think Mm -hmm. they think about you, what you think they say about you, and and is that true or not? So what (laughs) what was kind of that experience for you?
1: Well, for me, I kind of felt like they were embarrassed about me a little bit because I was always the one who was a little too loud and a little too verbal. And maybe have a little bit of humor that they didn't like, you know what I mean? So I I felt kind of like they were embarrassed about me. You know, what's interesting to me is when I talk to them now, they weren't thinking that at all. They had their own stories. They were going through their own things and their own insecurities. They weren't actually embarrassed about me, even though I felt that way. That was kind of just the way that I interpreted it. When I was in junior high school, I was trying very hard to fit in with what I thought was the popular mindset with my friends and everything. One time I found myself in the eighth grade. My mom was praying with me that the Lord would just provide a a friend for me that would be a follower of Christ as well, that we could live life together. I was praying one night on my own because I really didn't understand what was going on. And I was asking God, you know, do I really believe in you? It was kind of that moment, you know, how people talk about their relationship becoming theirs with Christ, not just their parents' relationship. And I'd been raised in the church and all of those things. But for me, it's like I knew I believed, but I needed to know from God that I believed, you know, so I was praying about that and just asking him to show himself to me and reveal himself to me. And I really felt that I needed to read in First Peter chapter 1, which I hadn't had a lot of experience with feeling like I needed to read something in, in Scripture, but I did. I opened it up and I started reading and it says in starting verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead And the reason that that was so impactful for me is because I felt like God answered the exact thing that I prayed. I kind of felt like He was telling me that you're going through all these trials because I'm trying to prove or I'm showing you the genuineness of your faith, and it's greater worth than gold. And then as I read the words that though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. I was filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, like as I was reading it. And this was towards the end of my eighth grade year going into the, the ninth grade, which I know is really young for that type of an experience. But it was definitely when Christ took me and just absolutely gathered my heart. Like after that, I was completely on fire. You know, I was sharing my faith with everybody and it really transformed me. And at the exact same time, the Lord brought me Jamie and Jamie is an amazing gal, and we met each other in the eighth grade, and she's been my best friend ever since. And she was that friend that my mom and I prayed for. And that was one of the first huge answers to prayer in my life as I walked with Christ. And really, He showed me that He was the one who would fill me with joy, and it couldn't be found in other people.
0: I think you just hit the nail on the head for so many people for so many prayer requests, because often we're asking for something or some uh, change or some healing without realizing that that God really is all we need. And just having a relationship with him fulfills every single need and desire. But everything Mm -hmm. else is kind of the icing on the cake. And I've noticed a pattern, and it's not to say that you know, this is a perfect formula, but he doesn't write every story the same way, right? But right, it is right. fascinating how many people are longing for and praying for a particular request, you know, whether that's, I want a friend or I want a husband or I want a child or I want to move or I want a job or I want my body to be healed or I want whatever, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And then so yeah. many of these women. Have that moment where they realize I still long for this and I am still praying for this. But even if you don't answer this in this way, you are still enough for me. Right. In many ways, it sort of sounds like that was kind of the pattern for you. Like you had this moment of drawing so much closer to God first. And Mm -hmm. then, and then you had your answered prayer where he says, Yes, I am your friend. I am your best friend. I will fulfill every friendship need in your life but I also love you so much. And here's, here's this person that you've been praying for to kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I was so thankful for that because between my freshman and sophomore year, my parents decided that we were going to move from the big city of the Portland area to a very small farming community in very Eastern Oregon. And so I, I, you know, I had kind of found my footing a little bit in the big city. But then we moved to a small town between my freshman and sophomore year, where everybody had grown up together, and they all knew each other. So I was very thankful that the Lord showed me before we left that He was that friend for me, but also provided my friend Jamie to me because she and I spent the first probably four months that I was there just writing letters to each other. During lunch, I would sit by myself outside for the first few months and just write her letters about everything. And we had these contests about who could write each other the longest letter. And so, yes, absolutely. The Lord, He showed me that He was what I needed and He provided that friend to me because I needed her too. And that's the thing about the Lord. He's so gracious to us in showing us what we need and providing what those needs are at the same time. It was difficult for me those first few months to find my footing once again, because I found myself very shy and I had a difficult time kind of figuring out who I was supposed to, or I don't know, who would accept me or whatever. I had a difficult time even opening my mouth to talk to people. I was so shy and so afraid of that rejection. But, you know, after a few months, I definitely found my footing there too. And I had, uh, good friends that I went throughout the rest of my high school with. You know, it was a difficult time, but it was a good time. And once again, the Lord provided what it was that I needed and just further strengthened my faith in that. And I mean, it was difficult. It was difficult for my mom. It was difficult for all of us when we made that move to the small town, but it was also a really good move. And I'm so thankful for that because I think I really started to become the person that God intended for me through that whole time, just being closer with the family, having a close-knit church. That's when we first got involved with Calvary Chapels, and I became more involved in serving and all of that, too, once we moved to that small town.
0: As you're talking about those high school years and those teenage years, they really, really can be so brutal for people. Some women have wonderful memories. Some would rather erase that whole season of their life. And, and for probably the most of us, we have memories of both, of, uh, of joy and belonging and of just kind of trauma and rejection. We, we kind of have experienced both in our, in our teenage life. And what a blessing though that you had, Jamie, even though you were far apart that you were really, you had that, that was such an incredible source of companionship that God provided you during that time. And I love too, that that sort of significant spiritual moment happened right like before you moved. I think, I mean, obviously God knew that and he was preparing you. He was sort of giving you some tools and that foundation to get through um, a big change. You had Mm -hmm. also mentioned how much of a support and a role model your mom was for you as a kid now sometimes those teenage years can really solidify that and other times teenage years are very rough on mother daughter relationships so what was what was kind of your experience with this you know new place new town one of four kids teen years high school life and drama how were things with the family and with your mom
1: with my mom i always kind of wanted to be like her from the very beginning of my life just in the sense that she had gotten married young and she'd been a mom. Like there were little things that I wanted to be along the way. I wanted to be a teacher for a little while. Or uh I remember there was a short time when I wanted to be a neonatal intensive care nurse, like different things like that. But more than anything, what I wanted was to be a mother and I wanted to meet my husband young and move forward with life in kind of a similar manner. So when we moved over to Eastern Oregon, my oldest sister, Becca, had already married Brian. And she kind of followed the, I don't know, blueprint that I kind of wanted to do, you know, meet your high school sweetheart and then get married afterwards. And that was what my true hope was for my life. So my life didn't really follow that same blueprint. And as I got closer and closer to the end of high school, I, I never met a high school sweetheart. I didn't really even have any relationships in high school. So in general, it just wasn't turning out the way that I had hoped it was. And for the first year after I graduated from high school, I just went to the community college in the area and I was able to get my associate's degree in a year. And after that time, I made plans to go to Boise State University And I was, my major was in early childhood education. I was really looking forward to doing that because I'd always been really good with kids and I wanted to be a mom. So why not follow that and do early childhood education? So that's kind of where my focus was at the time. But I was also very interested in missions. And my heart had always been to go on missions trips. After I graduated from the community college and before I started at BSU, That summer, I made plans to go on a missions trip over to Romania and to help in the orphanages there. And it was really eye-opening experience and I loved it. And I loved the children. And it was very difficult because you could walk into an orphanage and it would be silent, which usually you would think that the babies would be crying and loud because they're full of babies. But the problem that they were having is that the babies weren't getting enough attention. So they all had issues with attention. And instead of crying and being normal children, they were silent. And that's kind of what happens with children when their needs are not met, they just kind of go into themselves. So they needed a lot of help in Romania. And I loved being there. And from the time that I was there, I kind of felt like Romania was my heart, you know, and it caused me to Make some changes after I got back to the United States. I actually decided not to go to BSU. I decided to attend Calvary Chapel Bible College and I wanted to pursue missions at that point, especially like doing children's ministry type things and missions. But mostly, I really felt that I wanted to go back to Romania. So I started over, I lived on the campus of the church at Calvary Chapel Boise. After the first year there, the, the very next year, I went back to Romania. And while I was in Romania, once again, my heart was just there. And I felt like I wanted to make plans to start going there. So I was I was still pretty young. I was, I think, 19 or 20 or so when I got back and told everybody that I just really wanted to move forward in moving to Romania. But I thought it would probably be a while before I would ever get to actually go. But one day my my dad came over to my house and said, "Yeah, you know, we decided and that is the church because my dad was the elder at the time. He said, "We we decided to go ahead and get you a plane ticket over to Romania so you have a you have a go date." And this was sometime in the summer and told me that I'd be leaving in October. And I was really I was taken aback by the fact that he had gotten me a plane ticket and given me that kind of support up front. But I was also taken aback because I thought it might be a while before I would go. And so I, it was one of those things where you kind of felt like it was, it was kind of taken out of your hands and somebody was just opening the door for you, you know? I started to make plans to move to Romania. It was an amazing time because our church in Ontario really came, came alongside of me and like they had a huge kind of like a shower for the kids in the orphanage. So all these supplies and stuff that I would need to care for them and to help them and to help them in their development, like all of that kind of stuff. They provided all those things for me and I boxed them up and shipped them on a ship so that they would be there for me once I got there. And I really just felt that I just had so much support. But it was kind of interesting because even in the midst of all that support, As the time got closer and closer for me to go, I started feeling this horrible weight upon my shoulders and in my heart and in my mind that maybe I wasn't supposed to go to Romania or maybe I wasn't ready or maybe I didn't really want to. I felt at the same time, though, that because I had all this amazing support from the people around me, that moving forward was all I could do. And I talked to my parents a little bit about it. They they felt at the time that it was like Satan was trying to keep me from going. And yet it continued to grow that heaviness and almost like a, a fear to the point that not long before I was supposed to go, I was just in tears before the Lord and I was praying and I was saying, okay, Lord, I don't know why this is happening or why I'm feeling so strongly about this. And why all of a sudden, I just don't feel like I should go or I don't want to go even. Yet, this whole way is paved before me. And I don't know what to do other than come before you and say, Lord, I have to move forward. I have all this support, all this financial support, all these things that I've collected that are on their way to Romania right now. And I cannot do anything About going. If you don't want me to go, if there's some reason that I am not supposed to go, then I need you to make it impossible. And I know you can do that all the way up to the moment that I get on the airplane. And at that point, after I prayed that prayer and I really was weeping before the Lord, I just felt like, okay, that's the end. I have to close the book on it and I'm just going to move forward. And I knew he was in control. He would get me and give me the things that I needed in order to accomplish the work he had for me in Romania, or he would stop it. So to make a long story short, what happened is the night before or two nights before I was supposed to go to Romania, everything that I needed, my money, my passport, my visa, everything was stolen from me, and I was not able to go. It was it was really a surreal experience because... I just felt like everything was in slow motion. And I felt horrible because I felt that I'd left, let everybody down. But at the same time, I felt relief all at the same time. And it was one of the ways that in my life, God stepped in and intervened. I don't know if it was because I was so young and he knew that I wasn't ready or if there was a reason that I really shouldn't go uh, with whatever was going on in Romania or whatever could have been or should have been or I don't know. But he stepped in and intervened and he made it impossible for me to go. And the people around me were kind of like, we'll get you a new, a new passport. We'll, we'll get you going. And I just knew that I had to stop and I could not go.
0: So many people have experienced this in different ways where you're trying to figure out if all the signs and all the feelings are coming from God, right. are coming mm-hmm. from the enemy or just coming from mm-hmm. your own mind and yeah. you know is this is this god telling you not to do something or is this the enemy trying to prevent you from doing something good and and vice versa you know and you just kind of wrestle with that all the time it's very easy to hear the beginning of your story uh, the, the beginning of the Romania chapter and think oh my gosh every single arrow is pointing for you to go Mhm just mm-hmm. have everything laid out for you and put in your lap and and not only that but to go serve in another country and help other people particularly children I mean how could that not be <laughs> you know a good right. thing like mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. have something good and biblical and and precious and wonderful and all the arrows seem to be pointing in that direction you can only almost feel like you're losing your mind a little bit when you Right have the opposite. Like, I feel like I'm not supposed to do this, but why am I feeling this? And what is this weight on my heart? And wait, God, you, you literally rolled out the red carpet. It seemed for me to go this direction and I'm going this right. direction and the door is going to close on me. Like, this doesn't make sense. And it yep. sometimes we don't figure out why we took that or why we had to take that detour until way mm-hmm. later in our lives, if ever. And yet it's such a story of constantly going back to him, constantly Mm -hmm. asking again and again and again and again, I have this weight. If this weight is from you, I need you to close doors for me. If the weight is not from you, I need you to lift the weight and just constantly going to him asking for those things.
1: Right, right. So after I didn't leave, I I had a, a difficult time, a time of struggle, because I wasn't really sure what I needed to do at that time. But the Lord ministered to me a lot through this verse in Psalm 62, verses 5 through 7. It says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. The way that the Lord ministered to me through this verse is to remind me that it's God alone who I wait silently for. And He is using everything in my life to make His own story of my life, if that makes sense, or His tapestry. It's my story, but it's also His story. And it's only Him I need to wait for. Although it took me a little bit of time to get my feet back under me, I quickly understood that I needed to finish what I started in Bible College. And I ended up finding out that there was a school in Indiana, a Calvary Chapel Bible College in Indiana, where I could finish my degree. What was really amazing about that is that the Lord took me to a group of people that had plans to start a church plant. And missions was still very much on my heart. And I still wanted to pursue that. And I still wanted to pursue children's ministry and missions as well. And the group that I met there, they were planning to do a church plant over in a city called Harkov, Ukraine. And they asked me if I'd like to become a part of that. And so instead of going out on my own, the Lord provided me with a group of people to go and be a part of the church plant. So as I finished that Bible college, this was around 2002, I went to Harkov, Ukraine and started to become a part of a church plant there. I met some amazing Ukrainian people that I was able to impact and who impacted me in an amazing way. I was there for about 18 months or so. I was able to do a lot of children's ministry. And more than anything, the Lord took me to a place where I was in utter dependence on Him again because I felt completely alone. And so it was real time of working on my heart and my mind and focusing my mind on the Lord and understanding that he is who I live for, you know, not not longing for my family or my husband because all along through all of this I still I still was struggling with that I know I haven't stayed in one place for a long time, but I haven't been meeting my husband. I've wanted to. I've tried to make it happen in this way or that way, but it hasn't happened. And this is what I want more than anything, even as I am a missionary right now, even as I'm ministering to other people, even as God is having to do a work inside of my heart. So after 18 months, I made that decision to come back to the United States Okay, now what am I going to do now? And what was God's purpose throughout all that? And that's probably the biggest part in that area of my life that, that was the struggle for me is to trust God through that to understand that He had a plan. And really, for a few years, I, I struggled. I had amazing family who came alongside me. And I actually um, went and did an earn- internship with Brian for a while in Colorado Springs And got to spend a lot of time with my nieces and nephews and my sister, like all of that. But I still didn't know exactly what I was doing. And my life still wasn't on the blueprint of what I thought it was. But the Lord also really instilled in me that idea that all along I had like given him a a plan and I had wanted him to sign what I wanted for my life. But I found myself at 30 years old, unmarried. With no children.
0: For some women, being unmarried and childless at age 30 is no big deal, or maybe that's what they would have preferred. But it's so different when you wanted and you were longing to be a wife and a mother pretty much right out of high school. You know, you were wanting, like you said, to follow that blueprint of your mom. And so when that doesn't happen, and then suddenly, you know, a decade goes by with sort of these unfulfilled dreams it can be a very painful and lonely spot and with a lot of what what's in store for me what is my future going to hold why why is this happening for everybody else except me especially when you have siblings you know and i know a lot of women will watch their best friends or their cousins or their siblings or their neighbors get sort of all of seemingly Get all of their dreams answered and all of their requests fulfilled, and it can be a very, it can be a spot that could instill a lot of bitterness. Now, at the very beginning of this podcast, you did mention a husband and children. So, for those of you listening, you know there's there's going to be a turning point to this story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I am curious. Yes, you know, where where did this man
1: come into the picture and and when and how did you meet him? <laughs> Okay, well, that that actually did happen after I came home. You know, some people talk about that you have to get to a point where you don't have the desire anymore, and then that's when you'll get your husband. Like, I had friends tell me that, you know, well, you just got to stop looking for him, and then you'll find him, and so on and oh, so yes. forth. And, you know, <laughs>
0: the problem is that looking, it, you know, as soon as you stop, as soon as you just stop wanting it so yes, much, stop trying, and then exactly, it'll fall in your lap. Exactly.
1: Yes. And, <laughs> You know, that didn't happen. That didn't happen for me. And I guess I want to encourage anybody who who feels like, no, I know that I've been made to be a wife. Like some people told me, well, you might just need to be okay with being single, like that maybe God has singleness for you. And I really didn't feel like God had singleness for me. I didn't feel like I was made to be single. I, I realized through all the things that I went through that Actually, me all alone was not exactly the best thing ever. And yet, I knew I had to rely upon the Lord through that. And if He had never given me a husband, I would have been all right. But I didn't think that that was what God had for me. So anyways, what I ended up doing, I had a lot of friends during that time who ended up meeting their husbands online, and I really resisted it. I didn't think that that's the way that I wanted to do it. And yet, I found myself one day, just going ahead and signing up for a free weekend with eHarmony. And it was an interesting time in my life because I didn't think that I would ever do that, but I did. And it actually helped me a lot because it helped me realize the things that were really important to me and what things weren't. And this definitely is not a commercial for E Harmony by any means. <laughs> People meet their husbands in different ways. But uh, in the end, that is the way that I met mine. I hadn't been on eHarmony for very long when I first started hearing from my husband and I was talking with some other people too but I was really struck by my husband from the very beginning because our conversations were focused on the Lord and he was very certain about what kind of wife or woman that he was looking for and so as we talked I just really was attracted to my husband and yet so it was in November of 2009 when he first started writing me and It wasn't until at least December when we started actually speaking on the phone. And I remember him asking me if we could talk on the phone. And it was funny because you would think that I wouldn't have this sense of foreboding about having a conversation with somebody on the phone. But I almost felt like if I talked to him on the phone, then for sure he was going to be my husband. And (laughs) that really sounds funny hearing that from my mouth right now. But the thing is, is that I really was attracted to the man that he was. But I was also a little concerned, just because my husband has cerebral palsy. And my experience with cerebral palsy was with people who have it very badly. And I didn't know for sure, like, how I was going to respond to that. Like, when he spoke, was it going to be normal? Or was he going to have difficulty speaking, like different things like that. And my biggest thing that I actually did research was from before I even talked to him was, can people who have cerebral palsy, can they still have children? Like, is there any issue with their abilities to have children? And I found out that people with cerebral palsy can have children. And obviously, having children was super important to me. But the thing that was interesting to me is that the Lord once again Ministered to me and answered my prayer just through my daily Bible reading. I was praying about Lonnie and if I should talk to him or what the Lord might have in our relationship. I knew that he used crutches to walk, but that's all that I really knew. And so one day I was reading after I'd been praying about this and the Lord led me to Psalm 147.10. It was just in my daily reading, but it says, He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. It was super impactful to me because, of course, the Lord doesn't take pleasure in a man's legs. And he used that just to show me that the kind of man that I need to follow is a man who fears him and who hopes in the mercy of God. And it stretched me, obviously, like I said before, that I've always struggled with my weight. And that was one of the areas that I struggled with is, will somebody want to marry me because of my weight or this or that. And yet here I was, I wasn't sure how I felt about the fact that he couldn't walk like without crutches, you know? So anyways, the Lord challenged me and I talked to Lonnie and it it went very quickly from that time on. We first met in November of 2009 and we met face to face in February. We got engaged in May and then we got married in September of 2010. Lonnie lived in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I live now. So it was a long distance relationship, but it happened very quickly. And so, yes, the Lord answered that prayer and I got married.
0: (laughs) It's amazing how sometimes those prayers, how you can go from seemingly zero to 100. in in, in so quickly where you may feel, I've watched this so many times with people where they think, oh, you know, whatever they're praying for seems like it's something that's going to take quite a bit of time from start to finish and whatever that is. And it just seems, (laughs) well, gosh, if I haven't even started yet, then, then the sort of finale to this prayer request must be so, so, so far in the future. And I've just seen it so often where, I mean, it's like when, when God opens the door, I mean, it's like he like breaks down the wall. I mean it's just oh here's yeah. your here's your answered prayer, and I'm gonna, and here it comes immediately and with all these extra bells and whistles, and it's just like boom, the floodgates open,
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely that is completely true, and that's how that happened with our marriage and I moved down to Phoenix after we got married and So my husband, he's seven and a half years older than me. So I was 31 when we got married and he was 39. So he wasn't like a super young guy either. And so we knew that we wanted to start a family. And like I said, when I was going to marry him, one of the things that I was concerned about was fertility. And yet I was never concerned about myself because nobody in my family had issues with fertility. And I didn't think I would either and yet here we went months and months and then years without being able to conceive and once again i was at a place where what i thought would happen or what i hoped had happened didn't happen the way that i thought that it would you know i told you at the beginning that one of the things that my mom always pointed us to was not becoming bitter and you know struggles of not getting married struggles of infertility all of those things are really hard. Like to the core of you, it's easy to get embittered in so many ways just because it's hard. It it's really hard. And yet, I always prayed that the Lord would keep me from that bitterness. And of course, there were times where I was really crying out to him, asking him for that, but he was gracious to me. He has been gracious to me in that area and once again just pointing me back to the fact that Sometimes we have to wait and he definitely gave me ample opportunities to wait on the things that I desired. We went through many fertility treatments and had some losses. I lost twins in 2014, which was really difficult, especially because just... A couple of days after I found out for sure that my babies hadn't made it, and I was just waiting to go through the miscarriage, I found out that my sister was having twins, and it it was one of those things that you're like, Oh goodness, like could you hurt my heart anymore, Lord? you know and yet I wanted to rejoice in those children and those amazing babies because they were a miracle all on their own, and it it's one of those those. Times where weeping lasts for a, a night but joy comes in the morning and I definitely experienced that because it was so hard it was so devastating it was so devastating that my my mom and my sister they weren't even sure like should they tell me right away because here I was waiting for for my own children to leave my body you know and yet uh, my sister decided it would be better to tell me and I was really thankful that she did because I think it would have been even worse if she hadn't told me right away. It would have been more difficult. I rejoiced in those little ones and I was so grateful when they were born to be able to go and spend time with them, just holding them and just allowing myself to mourn and weep over my own children that I hadn't seen come into the world. And yet here were these miraculous babies of my sister. So it's it's hard to think about all those emotions and the things that you experienced, And even at that time, I was still childless. And I didn't know when and if the Lord was going to fulfill those plans. Yet the Lord allowed me to mourn when I needed to mourn and still be able to rejoice in those babies. And I was so thankful for that. And so he was very, very gracious to me. I am
0: so glad you mentioned praying against bitterness because so often i think we're just praying for the thing we want but we're not always mm-hmm. praying for the condition of our heart and yeah that is huge truly i'm not sure how many how many people who haven't walked through this would understand what a big deal that is that you could have lost Twins at the same time as your, you know, beloved sister is having twins and that you could be there as, as their aunt and be a part of those moments and, and love them. It's so common that that's not the case. It's so common where the pain is too much and, and the jealousy and the bitterness takes deep, deep root and really Mm -hmm. can kind of scar relationships. And yet, you had the wisdom to pray against the bitterness, and that God really answered that prayer. That you could, you know, that that, that protected your relationship with your sister. It protected the relationship with your nephews, and and really, mm-hmm. that kind of bleeds out to the whole family too.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I think that it helped too because sometimes families or people who are close to you, they really don't know how to how to right, react or, you know, how to be with you. And I do have to say that in the Bible it talks about mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And my family mourned with me. You know, my sister mourned with me. They were right there with me, and that was a huge blessing. For me, I don't know exactly what happened, but one day I woke up and I was done putting shots in my stomach. Anybody who's gone through infertility understands like all the shots and all the supplements and all the things. And one day though, I just woke up and I was done. And, you know, my husband and I had talked uh, before about foster care and perhaps adoption. But when I had read about everything that goes into adoption, it was scary. So we decided that we were going to try, you know, the fertility treatments and all that before you know, I, I just have to say that God has to bring you to a place that you're okay with whatever the next step is in your journey. I wasn't okay for with adoption for a while, and then one day I was. God has to work in your heart and in your mind. So, in going into this next chapter, which is adoption, it's really once again I just have to talk about the faithfulness of God in it because I, I woke up one day and decided, okay, I I'm ready. I want pursue adoption. And my husband was on board with me in that. And usually people do like a whole bunch of research on what agency they want to go with and all that kind of stuff. And once again, it was like Facebook was reading my mind or something because Christian family care kept popping up like to adopt from. And so that's what we went with. (laughs) And I didn't do a lot of research or anything. We just called Christian family care and we went and talked to them at the time, we found out that it was going to be very expensive. It was going to be somewhere upwards of around $27,500 or something. It was, that was an overwhelming number for us because we are, are people of modest means and to see something with such a big price tag was difficult for us. And, and yet we decided through prayer and through people talking with us that fundraising was a good idea. And then also, we were encouraged to just set up like a GoFundMe page, which I was really, neither of us really wanted to pursue that because we just kind of felt bad asking people to help you fund your adoption. And yet we were encouraged that no, you know, some people might just want to give you guys some money towards your adoption, and other people might want to help with fundraisers. And so I went ahead and set up a profile about our family and what we were doing and I shared that profile on Facebook and I was contacted with one of my friends who had gone had been going through the infertility journey with me saying Jana I can't believe that this is happening but there's a baby up in the mountains of Arizona and I've been talking with the people that are caring for her and we believe that you're supposed to be her parents. And at the time, she was only a few days old. She was she was born, I think, the day that I shared our fundraising page. And our agency had told us that it would probably take a year to a year and a half before we would actually have a match or anything. So we didn't have anything for a baby. And I was really quite taken back by her giving me the call saying that there was possibly this baby up in in the mountains of Arizona. So I talked with my parents, my husband and I talked with my parents. And then we also talked with our pastor and his wife and all of them said, you know, we think you ought to go and check it out anyway. And I called the people who were caring for her at the time and they wanted us to come that weekend and meet the baby so we went up there to the mountains of arizona and it was once again entering into one of those completely surreal experiences because we came we got to the people's house and we walked in there and they were basically handing us this sweet baby saying here's your daughter (laughs) and we're like but but is this really happening and my husband absolutely fell in love with her the moment his eyes were on her and felt like this is our daughter. Me, I was, my emotions still hadn't caught up. Like it felt surreal, like this couldn't actually be happening. This is not how it happened. You, you know, it's not like you decide to adopt and a few weeks later, someone's giving you a baby, handing you a baby in your arms, telling you that this is your little child that you're going to have. And so I, I it took me a little bit longer to wrap my mind around how this could actually be happening to us. And yet, we got there on a Sunday and I was bringing home our daughter down from the mountain on Wednesday. And it was even now, let's see, I get overwhelmed with emotion because I, I, I still can't believe that was me living that, that the Lord just said, I've been, like you said, I've been waiting for you to be ready. Here you go. You know, So that is how our daughter, Emma, that's how she came to be a part of our family. What a beautiful story that he
0: wrote. And it wasn't just a story for you. It was a story for your daughter and a story for your husband. And this is where I think it's just so fun to watch the intersection of stories and that it was so neat that we had your mom's story and we have your story. And it kind of feels like you're watching one of those shows or one of those movies where Instead of just sort of following one main character, you get to go into the lives of all of the characters and sort of <laughs> see behind the scenes of each one. I love those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's kind of what yeah. it feels. And just it, it makes me excited and, and interested regarding Emma's story. Like, what's he writing yeah. for her? And
1: <laughs> well, she'll be sharing her story one day. I was gonna say maybe she'll share that with you sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. One thing that I wanted to point out too was remember how I told you how much it was going to cost at the beginning, upwards of you know twenty seven thousand eight hundred dollars or something like that, mm-hmm. and just how overwhelming that felt. Well, when this adoption took place, it actually only ended up costing around nine thousand dollars, which was a huge blessing but the other blessing about all that is basically our friends and family raised that overnight it happened so quickly once emma was in our arms it was like we didn't have the money and then we did and it was just taken care of and it was like nothing so i i always want to encourage people with that too because god sees our hearts he sees even our anxieties and he tells us not to be anxious for anything
0: he provides he, he absolutely provides provides yeah and and for anybody, yep. I have to say too, because for, there's so many people that are hesitant because they don't like asking for help or they, they don't want to, yeah. you know, accept charity or, you know, however it is in their mind, there's so many people that, that get very stuck with that. And I guess the encouragement is, well, this isn't, this isn't just about you. This is about the child. Yep. And yeah. my gosh, there'd be, you know, nothing you wouldn't do for this child mm-hmm. and all of these people have a desire to help and in many ways you're blessing them by allowing them to be generous and I know that kind of sounds backwards but for anybody who's been on the giving end of something like that it is a blessing it it's so special to be a part of something bigger and to think that you had some small piece in sort of bringing a miracle to pass i mean god does it right. but to to be used within God's provision yes. is, is pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's an invitation to join the story that he's writing. And it's yes. such a blessing to be a part of that. And yeah, uh, sometimes we got to get our minds off of ourselves and our own pride and realize that it's so much bigger than that.
0: Absolutely. And, and he didn't stop your family there.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't too long after Emma was here that I think that we had just, we adopted her like officially, her official adoption was right before her first birthday. It was probably a month later that I got a call from a friend who did foster care and and she was asking us, she goes, I know that you just finalized with Emma, but Would you guys consider going ahead and joining the foster family? And we went through the whole process. We became foster parents just a few days after we got our foster license approved. We got a call and they asked us if we would take a little boy, which it was funny because around the time that my friend had called me, I had already started praying for a brother, for our daughter, Emma. And of course, with foster care, the point is always to reunify. So you have to keep your mind at that place. It, it's kind of a hard thing because you're taught that you you have to love that child and bond with the child from the very beginning, just as if they are your own child, because they need that. They, they absolutely need that bond, which having worked with children in the orphanages in Romania, I understand how important that is. And so it can be pretty tricky and pretty hard because you love the child so much, but always Reunification is what they're working for. But in our case, with our very first placement, the birth family had very little contact with him from the very beginning. We ended up adopting him right after his first birthday. So it didn't take very long. The Lord just brought this little boy into our lives. His name is Tobias. So we have Toby and Emma, and we love those babies so much. And we decided to continue with our foster journey. And so now we have another placement his journey is looking more and more like reunification and so it's been amazing in the sense that God has allowed us to be a part of that reunification and even a part of uh his mother's life in that she is attending church with us and all that kind of stuff. And so that's a huge blessing. But we always just continue to pray because foster care in its own own right can be difficult sometimes too, which is probably a whole nother story for another time. <laughs> but it's a part of our current story right now that hasn't concluded yet. <laughs> First of all, thank
0: you for what you're doing because while there may be a lot of people who have the bleeding heart to adopt and to foster... Not everybody can or will for various reasons. and and I know the need is so much greater than the available families. So I guess just on behalf of the children in need and the, and just our community, you know, thank you for for what you're doing. it's It's incredible, it's amazing. One of the things you had that I sort of kind of heard as a as a theme throughout your story is just, how plans don't go the way we plan them for lack of a you know better term which I, I really think most of us can identify with, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know speaking specifically to the women who were hoping their lives would go a certain way especially when they hope it goes a certain way on a certain timeline and then mm-hmm. it doesn't if you could sort of boil all of your experiences down into you know just a A sentence or two of hope and encouragement. I always kind of like to say that rather than advice. Right, right. (laughs) If you were, you know, sitting down having coffee with another woman who's right in the middle of that kind of waiting period of, I wanted my life to go this way and it's not going that way, what would you say to her?
1: Well, I would just, first of all, encourage any woman that is in that place of waiting. That first of all, understand that that your life doesn't have to go exactly the way that you want it to go. For me, I do have a family now. You know, I have a husband. I have all those things that I desired, but it didn't happen the way that I thought that it should. So be open to what God's plan is for you and truly like we talked about before pray against the bitterness because it is so easy to become bitter trust him and understand that he is faithful and there are people who will walk with you and encourage you along the journey and the other thing i would say is don't be afraid of like the pain in the morning like you got to you got to mourn when it comes when those waves of pain and sadness come you need to experience and shed those tears. Because if you don't, if you just bottle them, that goes so much more towards the bitterness and the anger. You got to let them out. And God is not afraid of our bitterness and our anger, the feelings that we have in our, in our hearts, like pour them out before him. He is our refuge. So find your refuge in him. I do. I know. I understand. And throughout all of this, the Lord has allowed me to go through a lot of things so that I can understand where a lot of people are coming from. Like you never know what the pain of losing a child is when you want them so badly is until you go through it. And yet you're so much better to able to encourage people after they go through it, you know,
0: So or after
1: you go through it.
0: I love that you talked about letting yourself mourn. And with that, having that support group. Before we close in prayer, I just wanted to mention one thing because part of your story definitely touched on infertility, adoption, and loss. And for anybody who hasn't heard this mentioned in one of our previous episodes, there is a support system, a support group, a podcast, uh, a website, and a host of other things, all part of one organization that's a faith-based organization for infertility, loss, miscarriage, and adoption. So all of those things, um, and it's called Sarah's Laughter. So you can check out sarahslaughter.com. Please feel free to reach out. Um, We are always happy to get you connected in any way we can. So Jana, thank you for sharing your story, all of the peaks and valleys and twists and turns. And it's amazing to kind of hear where you started and where you ended up. So in closing, I would love to ask you to pray for our listeners, um, especially those who are in that season of waiting or feeling like they're not sure why their path is going one direction when they wanted it to go a different way. and, And just really, you know, the women who identified with your story.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me today. And Lord, we just want to come before you today and thank you for your goodness, even through difficulties and even when things do not go the way that we expect them to. I just want to pray for each and every one of the ladies that might identify with that. Um, I think everybody does in one way or another, but if you're in the midst of it, it can be really difficult. And I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage them by your word, that they would not be afraid to cry out to you uh, in the difficult time, and to find other people who can help them through it. Thank you that you make beautiful stories out of difficult times, and the beauty isn't as beautiful without the difficulties. And so I pray that you would minister to people's hearts as they walk through it, and that you would encourage them and fill them with your grace and. May we all walk through our journeys with grace. And I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you again so much, Jan. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you have uh, a house full of little ones and <laughs> being able to step aside for an uninterrupted quiet hour, hour and a half to record this is, you know, a pretty big deal. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It went pretty well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're really proud of ourselves right now. This is great. <laughs> um, so. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Brian and Becca, for getting us connected with Dawn and Jana. We're just going to make our way through the whole family, I think, eventually. (laughs) So so stay tuned. (laughs) We'll keep recruiting family members. (laughs) Um, But again, listeners, thank you for listening. And thank you, Jana, for sharing your story. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you were blessed by it. And we hope you come back next week for the next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.
1: Good idea. I'm sorry. I'm getting lost for a second. I want to rephrase what I just said. So That's have, fun. <laughs> have fun. Have <laughs> fun cutting that out. <laughs>
0: I'm losing my train of thought.
1: Okay. What I'm trying to say is, um,